Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, see it all together if you with me now. Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I actually have some stuff to talk about that we have not discussed, like okay. even offline. But oh, okay. before we start, before we jumped into it, you were like, we could talk about Saltburn. I haven't seen Saltburn. I have zero plans to watch Saltburn, mm-hmm. but... All week, this past week at work, this guy that I work with every day was like, you got to watch Saltburn. You got to watch Saltburn. It's so good. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. I was like, really? his name's Mike. Um, He's not great. Um, Okay, Mike. (laughs) If he ever listens to this. uh, Sorry, man, but you're not great. Um, I I told him, I said... uh, uh, it's a movie about shitty people doing shitty weird things. I have zero intentions of ever wa- ever watching it. And he's like, no, no, it's not like that at all. You gotta watch it now. Oh, I've gosh. heard various things, so I like there are scenes in the movie that I know about just from yeah. podcasts and you know mm-hmm. whatever. So. I'm well aware that it like I I don't know if he really thinks it's a good movie or if it's just that he watched it, it's fucked up. So now he's trying to convince other people to watch it and be like, ha ha, I got you to watch this like weird fucked up movie. Um so I like I'm assuming you watched it based on your comment. Yeah. I, um, I'm curious, how off base am I? Uh, you're not off base. Um, so, okay, so this is a very complicated thing because, it, like, okay, so this is this is coming from a guy who thought that the the director's uh, the director's like uh, debut film, Promising Young Woman, which she won an Academy Award for Best Screenplay for, <laughs> is a major landmark movie. Like, it is a it is a vicious, mean movie towards men, and it has every right to be, and it also has every right to do what it does. Um, it's it it's a it's like it's like punk rock, right? It's like a it's like it's it's something that's just if you've ever seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, it, it's not a it's not a it's not a nice film like especially for uh, like any unassuming guy that watches it but it should be it should be a smack in the fucking face um that's what it is it's a smack in the fucking face but it's it's done so well and it's executed so well and Carrie Mulligan is so amazing in it if anything i've i've learned over the last couple of years is fucking Carrie Mulligan is like an un she is an underappreciated beast of an actor um but I mean, give, I give this to context because um, Saltburn not only burns down any kind of fucking like goodwill I had towards Fennel, but it also kind of goes back and retroactively makes me 
have second thoughts about her first film. Now, here's the weird part is that I asked our friend, uh, our mutual friend and, uh, uh, you know, writer for um, the movie aisle, uh, Marie. I asked Marie about it because she had saw it. She saw it before me and she was like, I, w- I was genuinely excited about this movie because of Emerald Fennel. And she told me the exact thing. She's like, Adam, I think that this is going to be one that's going to burn a bridge for you because it is so just it's so off base. And basically it's a rich person because, okay, so like it came out that Emerald Fennel is like, like she's basically these characters from Saltburn. She's like a, she's a rich, she's, she comes from a lot of money, a lot of money. And she was allowed, like, she was like a lot of film directors come from money. This is sick little fucking fucked up thing that people don't know because they're allowed to play. They're allowed to do whatever the fuck they want. And yeah, she was allowed. Oh, go ahead. I was just to interject. Like, while I do mostly love Wes Anderson, if Wes Anderson was not from the family that he was from, yeah, the, the style of Wes Anderson would not fucking exist. Like, oh, no, absolutely not. I, it, it was it, it is absolutely work created by somebody who was allowed to just be fucking weird yeah and then eccentric like well like 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 dennis hopper said in speed and i always use this this is the the, that's why it's one of the greatest movies of all time (laughs) i'm not crazy i i have money i'm eccentric and that's what fucking that's what fucking wes anderson like man like I have this love hate relationship with that guy. Don't even bring him up right now because oh, but yes, you're right, a hundred percent. If that guy didn't come from oil money, we would not have Wes Anderson. But then I look at it and it's okay because we wouldn't have Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson, who were actually his poor friends, who are real artists. I, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm just gonna say it. Um, I'm. Ve- you guys should know that I'm very. I'm very not. I'm very not high on rich money people and bullshit like that. But anywho. You are right. Like, and I mean, Nick, Nick Cage is kind of in the same vein, only yes. not with the like writing and directing, just with the like, I can be weird and just act and S- do whatever Sophia I Coppola. want. Sophia yeah. Coppola. Yeah. Like uh, Spike absolutely. Jones. Spike yeah. Jones is the same way. Like, yeah, he came from skater culture. Yeah, but he was fucking Jones is like his real name. Like, all you have to do is Google Spike Jones' real name and family, and you will see. Like, you will be shocked at what family he's associated with, but he was just a little fucking, he was just a little squirt that, like, had a lot of money so he could spend literally years with skating culture and indoctrinate himself into it and film all this useless shit that ended up becoming pieces of found art for people. It's those kind of things that, like, despite, like, any bridges burned or or seemingly burned or any kind of, like lack of artistic merit that people want to hurl at somebody like kevin smith yeah i mean the he did dude, it himself yeah i mean he did it himself man yeah like robert it, rodriguez yeah himself <laughs> it's really really hard like even their worst films uh, the like there's plenty of robert rodriguez shit either i haven't seen or i really mm-hmm. don't even like yeah but I do not, it's really difficult for me to be, like, to have any kind of animosity towards the dude, because I'm like, he did it himself, he's out there doing what, like, 
they didn't get their their buddies until they had already broke. You know, like Tarantino is Robert Rodriguez's buddy after Robert Rodriguez has already broken as Robert Rodriguez. He's yeah. not there like really picking him up. I mean, I'm sure it helps later on. Like I'm sure yeah. Ben Affleck helps Kevin Smith later on, but like it's not neither one of them were were anything when Mallrats came out. Anyway, not to belabor your point, but it's what kind of gives me a more appreciation for those dudes even when I don't really like agree with things they say or like the work that they're producing like they're doing it themselves um but uh the yeah i'm i'm with you on the like i like a lot of these people's art but also like they get to not fucking worry about how their rent's going to be paid and yep. just go out there and try to make art and it's very very frustrating when you really really think about it and so like the salt burn thing like yeah it really kind of like i don't know it and it's not even like a piss christ thing like like it's like art to upset people it's just like somebody just gave you money to be fucking weird and you already have money and i i don't it's it's just like i said I feel like it's just shitty people doing shitty things and have zero interest and made by possibly even a shittier person. And I have zero interest in that. <laughs> and, and that's, you've, you've put the nail, the, the nail in the coffin. So like Saltburn is what a rich person thinks eat the rich means. And by eat the rich, they mean fuck the rich. I mean, like I just like, Everything to, like I like the people that I feel bad for in this situation are Barry Keegan, Roseman Pike, Richard E. Grant, and Kerry Mulligan, because all four of them are in a are in a slightly different movie. Which that's the part that I don't like. Saltburn is a is a pastiche. And to put it like pastiche would be nice. If I wanted to be mean, it's a it, it, it's a fucking nonsensical piece of perfume perfume commercial hung together by modern songs and the and the gravitas the like the force of freaky nature that is Barry Keegan. If Barry Keegan gets to be the Joker, he might be our ultimate Joker because he he's doing what Jared Leto kind of says that he wanted to do with the Joker, but. He's Jared Leto, so you can't do it, right? Like, Barry Keegan, like, over, like, the last couple of films, I've realized that this man doesn't care about his image. He just wants to go for broke. And I'm okay with that. Like, in the, like, of everything, like, Barry Keegan is going to be okay. And, like, I know people will have, like, this perfume commercial that, that thinks that it's funny, but it's really fucking not. It's really insulting. Like, honestly, when people see this movie, like, they should be offended by the trick that Emerald Fennel is trying to pull on us because it is not like this movie. Like you, it's like, it's like a serial killer 
making a movie about a serial killer as the hero. And then when you see it, you go, Jesus Christ, that's awful. Why are you, what, what did you do? And the serial killer just looking like, this is my life. I'm the hero of my story. Like, there's nothing wrong with killing, uh, killing people indiscriminately in horrible, torturous ways. It's literally what this, like, I know that that's a very high, high ass comp, but like, like, that's a very weird comp to compare this to, but like, literally it's a rich person making a movie about rich people and poor people and thinking that they're eating the rich, but realistically all they're doing is making everybody look bad except for the rich people because the rich people are, (laughs) it's a fucking Wes Anderson movie where a, where a homeless man comes in to frame and like Wes Anderson decided, oh, I want to follow this dirty, this dirty homeless man. And I'm going to follow him. And isn't it great and quirky? And look, all the people that are dying around him. But he really loves those rich people and those erudite people that I, I film. Like it's literally what the movie's about. And it's insulting and it's stupid. And I hope that the people that have critiqued her and fucking savagely fucking like eviscerated her. I hope she listens to it. I really do. I hope that because she's a talent, but she needs to know that this was so wrong headed to me. This is like, what? Like I have friends that love this movie and I don't see the movie that they have. They see. I'm genuinely worried. And again, I haven't seen it, but like mm-hmm. just everything I've heard, I'm genuinely worried that like, Somehow this is going to be some like major Oscar winner across multiple categories this year. And I'm just going to be like, yeah, like I think I think most critics like I think most critics have kind of just said, yeah, this isn't good. Like so like the weird part is, is like I went back because I read the the couple of pieces where they talked about Emerald Fennel and who she really is. And that fucking pissed me off that somebody that comes from money like this is trying to make an Eat the Rich movie because, OK, let's be honest. You can't make an Eat the Rich movie if you are if you come from money. It's just it's like you're you're completely it's it's like choosing to live in your car and then saying you're homeless when yeah it's a gutter like right (laughs) yeah it's just like i mean nah bro like you have a house you just choose to to sleep in your car yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) you know it's not you're not the same we're not the same like like you know so you've watched the office it like it's like andy in the office yeah you know like yeah, he he tries so hard to not be like that guy from money, but like he always up and up until like that whole storyline where they lose the money. But up until then, like he always has his money to fall back on. Like mm-hmm. every time anything goes bad for him, it's just like, well, his family has money. So yeah, it, yeah it, and it's just like. You could try all you want, but you know, you fucking know when the chips are really, really down, you've, you're not going to starve. You're not going to freeze to death. You're, you know, you're not, you're not going to die on the streets uh, because you have nowhere to go. Like, it's just, it's, it's so disingenuous that like, 
yeah, I, I'm with you. It really, really bugs me too that that it's just like, okay, like fuck you, man. <laughs> like yeah, you no, don't seriously. know. You do not know the struggle. You don't no. fucking like. I don't know the struggle. Like I, you know, no. I mean, I'm not rich, but like my fucking bills are paid, man. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I mean, I, yeah. So it, it's it's like yeah, like I don't know, like everything about it. It's like, like I said, I love some of these people that are involved with it, like including Fennel herself. It's just that I feel like. This is one of those things where it's like, this is a bridge too far, girl. It's like a white dude, a white, a bright British dude saying, I'm going to make a movie about slavery. What the I, fuck do you know about it, slavery, motherfucker? Yeah. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Like, like, uh, okay. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not good. Not a good look. No. Um, no, I, really I should say that the dude that keeps recommending it to me does mm. come from a little bit of money. So okay, there we go. So it's, it, like, uh, it's also one of those things. So hey, yeah, uh-huh. I'm zero intention intention of ever fucking watching this unless mm-hmm. at some point in my life I'm just like, I do really love Carrie Mulligan, and this is the only one I haven't checked off the list, and I, it isn't. There, there's a, a, a good nine or ten Carrie Mulligan films I haven't seen. So until that day comes. I will yeah. not be watching this movie. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, so like, just to give somebody some stuff, like, if you're a Carrie Mulligan stan, watch The Maestro. She's fucking amazing in that movie. Like, if Lily Gladstone doesn't win for Killers of the Flower Moon, um, Carrie Mulligan will probably win Best Actress for for Maestro. She is like, and I hate to admit, Brad Cooper is super good in that movie. But like, that's a movie of performances. Like, if we want to talk a little bit about like the things that I've been watching, the year end stuff. Like, Maestro is a movie of performances more than it is an actual like. It's not a cradle to the grave thing, but it's definitely you uh, like. You I've know, heard it's from very the standard biopic, like it, kind of trappings. It is. It is, but the direction, like, like Cooper's going to this place where he goes fuck you guys i'm gonna be i want to be an auteur and he fucking does he pulls it off like there there's this like there's this whole entire scene that's done an entire tracking shot but it's not done in that stupid annoying way it's done in this way that you don't recognize that it's a tracking shot until after the movie is over with and you're talking about some stuff and you go yeah that moment where they reconnect and then you go, oh shit, was that an entire tracking shot? Was that a, a single tracking shot that was perfectly like that that he was like, Scorsese, hold my beer, and just went and did like one of the the greatest tracking shots in the last 10 years? Yeah, he did. Um, the nose plays, the makeup plays, like he's he like it's standard, like writing the the plot and the conventions that he uses because he fucking writes with Josh Josh Singer, who I just, I can't stand a white man that just gets everything thrown at his feet like a screenwriter. Because, I mean, he's worked with Spielberg like four times. He's fucking, like, he's he's gotten, like, everything, very, like, ever since the, what's the Boston? They lied! They lied! Um, <laughs> that stupid fucking thing that won Best Picture um, uh, about the, the journalists and stuff. Um, yeah. Um, it's okay. Um, Spotlight. He, Spotlight. he was yeah. one of the writers. He's written, like, 
And I feel like he is such a plain vanilla Jane screenwriter. And yeah, go ahead at me, Josh Singer. I'll tell you that shit. I don't give a shit if you're well-researched. Another erudite man. Another rich white dude who came from money. Whatever. Fuck it. I'm in a, I'm in a mood, as you can tell. Um, but if you want to see Carrie Mulligan, watch The Maestro. Like, she, she is her. And weirdly enough, like, the four scenes with Sarah Silverman where you fucking stop and you go, fuck, Sarah Silverman can – like, I know there's that other movie that we don't ever talk about with Sarah Silverman, the one uh, about – the one where she goes off – she goes way off the deep end because her child dies. Um, and then she goes into this, like, deep, dark, sexual, oh, like yeah. – that fucking movie is hard to watch. Like, I remember, like, I remember, like, going, oh, Sarah Silverman's in a movie. And it's a drag movie, and she's getting great reviews. And then it's, like, the – it's like the anti, like kinky movie. Like you know, you see her have se- like it's like shame, right? It's like the female version of shame. You watch this movie, you go, "Oh man, stop! Just get some help, girl. Get get a weighted blanket. Don't do this." Um, but she's great, and she's great in fucking. She's great at Maestro. Like, like there are like performances that are just beautiful in 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 there. Like Matt Boomer is great in the in, in the. Um, like as playing uh, Lenny's um, one of Lenny's lovers, ex lovers. Um, so it's a great, it's a like it's a great movie housed with performances. So as long as you're okay sitting down for two and a half hours and just kind of like being in it, but it not really being. It's about stuff. It's about a marriage and the crumbling of a marriage over tw- over thirty years, but it's not about anything else. Like you see incidents that happen. And like the things that Bernstein is known for, but it's mainly about this relationship. It's like a fucking Bergman film, if anything. And, and it, but it's like good Bergman. It's not like like watching paint dry Bergman, because like let's be honest, like Berg, Ingmar Bergman, like unless like I know he created like he made like eighty films, right? And there, there are people, there are stands. I mean, we kind of know some of them that will watch anything that Bergman does and hail it as genius work. Man, I ain't got time for that shit. If it's fucking paint drying, it's paint drying, and I'm going to fucking call it that. But that's not kind of, like, the thing that Bradley Cooper's doing. So, like, like I said, like, Carrie Mulligan, watch Maestro. Barry Keegan, fucking watch anything else but this. This poor bastard, like, he's, this poor bastard is saddled with, I'm going to tell you. You go watch The Eternals. (laughs) Yes. No, seriously. Because at least he's doing, he's not fucking a grave. He literally yeah. dry humps a grave. I've, yeah, I've heard. And the bathwater candle. Like, I've I heard yeah. all the, the... I just... Yeah. Well, fuck that movie. I'm, I'm never gonna fucking watch it. I'll watch no. Midsommar before I watch that shit. <laughs> Dude, I that's saying a lot because Midsommar, for people like uh, like you and I, like... like that's a rough watch, dude. Like, if you watch that movie, like, that's anxiety in a in a can. Um, yeah. Opened up and like, sh- I, like I like mean, shotgun. his the movie the movie that dude made before that was nothing but anxiety for me. And I'm just hereditary. Like, I'm nev- yeah, yeah, hereditary. I'm never oh, don't... watching <laughs> another fucking second of his shit because I'm like, oh my god, man, I cannot take this. <laughs> exactly. No, no, you're right. Like Bo is afraid. That's a fucking wild ass film, dude. That's I also anxiety. I want to see that, but like. You're good. It's uh, yeah. It's a, sectional, it's a sectional movie. Like it literally is designed as a sectional movie. It's like it's got like three parts to it, 
And each part is about 45 minutes to 120 minutes. So like it's a three hour movie. So like it fits perfectly. You almost have to take breaks because it's so different in each of the sections. Yeah, I heard um, David Chen talk about it a little bit. And I was like, it, it, it interests me, but like also, yeah, like I, I'm really going to have to be in a mood for yes. that. So no, absolutely. And then if you like Richard E. Grant, go watch With Nail and I. That's a classic. And you'll just be reaffirmed I mean, or fucking Hudson Hawk. Yeah, I was going to say Richard E. Grant's filmography is so fucking dense. Like, just yeah, throw a fucking dart. <laughs> Anything but sulfur. <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> just stay away. Like, okay, so the two ones that you just stay away from, just stay away from Saltburn and uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, just, just you know, just stay away yeah. from those two, and you'll be fine. Uh, I mean, Rosamund Pike, you just throw, like like Grant, you just throw a you, you you throw a dart at anything but this one, and you're good. Uh, so yeah, there's no reason. And then Jacob Valordi is just fucking. He's he's the new he's he's the taller t- t- uh, Timothy Chalamet, right? Like yeah. he's the one that girls are thirsting over because he's six foot eight, like. I've not seen anything yet to make me feel like he's a talent in any way, shape, or regard, other than he can do, he can, he he can take his English or Australian accent and turn it into an American accent. Oh wow, big deal! Don't go watch Euphoria because it's just it's made by a perv for pervs. I'm sorry, but that's what I feel. Uh, um, it's the one choice that I feel that Zendaya has not made proper. That and Malcolm and whatever the other one, the the movie that she made with Sam Levinston. Um, but anywho, yeah, it's just two and a half hours that you're not going to get back, guys. I mean, some of you will like it. You, you'll you'll like the perfume commercial bullshit of it all. Um, I think that women will like it because of how thirsty it is and how much just weird nudity and sexuality there is in it. But it's all aimed towards men because it's kind of it's not. It's queer in the way that, like, I've heard a lot of people, and it's very apropos a title. It's it's the untalented Mr. Ripley, and that's literally what this movie is. Like, if you if you gave it an alt title, it'd be Saltburn or the untalented Mr. Ripley, and how rich people think that rich people are the best because they're rich, and they have big uh, and they have big estates, and they can make up their own little fucking world with their own little fucking shit games. Um, so yeah um yeah so um yeah so like friends that have been asking me if you want if you listen to this podcast sorry guys i fucking hated it i did not like it in any way shape or form and um you know so much so that i didn't that it's retroactively making me think that emerald fennel is not the talent that i thought that she was and i'm gonna have to course correct um so yeah uh, if you want to see something about Eat the Rich, uh, I'd just say go back to Parasite, because Parasite is probably one of the best movies in the last 20 years. Uh, and you can't go wrong, because it's eviscerating of rich people. Mm. Yeah, I, I haven't watching, been watching anything remotely that uh, uh, to create that vitriolic of a response in me, but I did yeah. finish... Uh, so the, the fear, the walking dead ended this oh, past year. Yes. And so I, I watched the last half of that show and like it, it, 
much like its parent show, had gone off the rails long, long before the end. Yeah. But the end was fucking bullshit. <laughs> oh. Okay. Like, it was so, like, so cookie cutter, bullshit, dramatic, like, and then undercuts itself, like, by by just not having the balls to to stick with things that have been established. I don't want to, I, I, just a character that you had thought dead for a very long time. <laughs> Turns out to not be really? dead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it's just like, holy shit, man. Like, I, it, it was a, a shell of itself. At one time, that show was better than The Walking Dead. Not initially. Initially, it was not great. Yeah. Um, somewhere in the middle, it, it, I was like, well, this was, this is really good. And The Walking Dead is just blah. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm real interested to see what what they do with this franchise next because, like, it's just not. Uh, it's it's just not been great. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I didn't love it, but you know, I, I finished it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, so, uh, so, oh, wow. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to go because it's like, like the only thing that I find interesting about the walking dead now is how like they've, <laughs> they've kind of pivoted and shifted it so that they're basically on track to give they're people exactly what they want, which is just Daryl Dixon. Like literally, like yeah. they've now set it. They they've set the table because Fear the Walking Dead is over with. The other isn't the other Walking Dead show. I can't think of the other Walking Dead show that they so have. There's that's two. Not... There's Dead City, which is Negan yes. and uh, what's her name, and it's okay. It's not great. Mm-hmm. It is coming back, and then there's Daryl oh, Dixon. Okay. Uh, it's also coming back, of course. Um, with with his with his yes. platonic uh, un, unrequited love, Carol, uh, which I'm actually like, I actually have proposed to my wife that maybe we should watch Daryl Dixon, not having any context about everything else. I was going to actually you, ask you, you really to don't tell me need the... to. Oh, okay, okay, because it, just it, because. His ending in The Walking Dead is uh-huh. like it. It has nothing to do with anything. It, like all you need to know is just like kind of, sort of who he is. Like it, it's it's so fucking weird. Like it borrows a lot from so many different things, including the much better show, um, The Last of Us. Like it's literally like a swipe of the plot of the last of us and i like i yeah i don't i don't know it it's worth it for him i i do really enjoy norman reedus but i don't know i they have beat this dead horse like into a bloody mess and i i just don't know 
I, I guess it still makes money for them. And so you've got to keep taking swings at it. Um, but it, it, it's not bad. It's just not good. That the, That's the problem with both of the spinoffs is they're not bad. They're just not good. And so it, it's hard to really, really recommend them. Uh, I, I really hope they wrap up this entire fucking thing whenever those movies or miniseries or whatever they're going to be come out with with the return of rick like i just hope that that's the end of it like oh man the memes are gonna start up again oh man yeah at this point it's almost like i'm i'm kind of pot committed but Mm -hmm. like i i i have just enough to just keep like calling the bare minimum like like okay i'll call i see what you got and and then i lose and then it's just like until they raise me until it's just like there's nine walking dead shows and then i'm out but like so far it's still just like one at a time there's not nine i need to keep track of so that you know i'm just like okay i mean i'll call i'll just put it on and see what you got and kind of watch it in the background but uh um yeah that's really all i had a chance uh to watch this week outside of what if which we can get into but i I wanted to hit you with a couple of other things um i I know are they news items because there's a couple of news items i want to talk about too no it's just stuff i've been doing oh okay oh okay okay (laughs) well then i'll throw back at okay so hit me hit me all right so uh i recently got uh ensnared in this new Disney trading card game. I don't know if you're familiar oh. with it. <laughs> no, I I am not. But that sounds like so on brand for you, Logan. It's not even funny. Like, <laughs> like you love, like you love the card, like you love the virtual card games. Uh, so well, this is not virtual. Uh, so oh, oh, um, okay. It, it's the called Lorcana. Lorcana, okay. And it is, it is. Magic the Gathering by way of Disney, essentially. I, like you, you can say Pokemon or whatever, but uh, Magic is the game I'm more familiar with, uh, yes, and I actually know how too. to play. So, yes. um, oh, wow, it is, dude. Like I'm, watch, I'm looking at the website and I'm seeing the. I just started to watch the, the trailer for it on mute. Wow, yeah, okay. It, so please tell me more. I, I'm, I'm very curious about this. It's it's very easy to play. It it's mm-hmm. it sounds like such a a line. Easy to play, hard to master. Like ah. and, and you you get they're they're the cards are so fun to discover. Mm-hmm. Um you know, cuz it crosses all of Disney lore. So like you never know who's going to pop up. Like, I mean, you can go through the cards and see them, but like, and it's interesting to see how like they, they play together, how, how they work for and against each other. It, it's just, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, I, I bought a couple of decks because a buddy of mine plays it and he's texted me a few times. He's like, you, you gotta, unfortunately he lives about an hour and a half away from me. He's always like, come down and play. I'm like, eh, I'm not going to drive an hour and a half to play. A card <laughs> game with you. Um, 
But uh, one of the collectible shops I go to, like I was, uh, they sell records and I was there looking at records and checking out and I look up and they've got decks behind the counter. I was like, oh yeah, guys, because they, they were hard to find for a while. That was the other thing. The first like six, seven months that the the sets were out, you you couldn't, they nobody had them in stock. Like they were selling on eBay for three, four times the, the retail price. Right. I'm I'm looking at that I like because like like these kinds of things like Magic the Gathering Pokemon like these are collector ne'er dare stuff and I was looking on eBay and some of these cards are going for wild prices yeah wow I mean it it'll uh, die it'll die down for sure um yeah. but uh, but yeah I w- so um, there's two two uh, waves out now five total decks and uh, I I've got all I've all five um and so it's just it's it's very very fun um and i can't believe i'm wrapped up in another trading card game at least this one isn't virtual so like i have to have other people to play like it it was slow at work and i took uh took the decks up to work and uh the co-worker Mm -hmm. that sits next to me i taught her how to play and she's a big disney fan so she was all like i want to like what is it and you know i'm showing her the cards and like she she loved it um they're actually her and uh her boyfriend and her daughter actually coming over she was like i want them to play so they're going to come over to my house this afternoon and we're going to play some more kind of um the the other thing is uh i've we've not talked about stuff we've been reading lately and i finished mm-hmm. two books oh okay. both stephen king in the last month or so one there's a movie of and i i vaguely remember it coming out um it, it's actually part of a short story collection but they released it i guess after the movie came out they released it as a separate like little novella it's called 1922 yes um i've watched the movie and read the book um 1922 is is a nasty bit of business it's a yeah. real <clears throat> uh, have you seen the movie with thomas jane because i know you're a thomas jane oh man you're in you're in for a treat it's well, it's it's method he's very i forgot it exists like that's what i was saying yeah. i vaguely remember it so this week on the king cast Thomas Jane is on to talk oh, about 1922. And I was oh. like, you know what? I I just finished reading that and I like I've never even brought it up. Um but yeah, what I, so the other story I read is called Elevation, also mm-hmm. Stephen King, of course, cuz yes. that's mostly all I read. Um and it is also kingish but like much like 1922 like the 1922 stuff that reeks of king is like the the rats and the like the haunting and the but it really is just the story of a guy who uh i mean spoilers kills his wife and then sets about like destroying his life his son's life uh his neighbor's life like just just yeah. because he was selfish and yep. you know this woman was going to leave and take the money that he thought was rightfully his because it's 1922 and he's the man of the house. And, you know, so he, he murders her to keep this little piece of land uh, that she was bequeathed. And 
ultimately just destroys everything around him. And it's like, it's a pretty fascinating little story. And and it, it gave me, it's something we probably talked about before, but like, I don't know, King, when he keeps himself to like under a hundred pages, like it really sings like it, it just yeah. it works so well that there's it, the endings are always great and uh, satisfying more or less, you know, even if it's in a like, oh, well, that that got gruesome. But like it's an ending. It's not like this ambiguous <laughs> like it is what you make of it kind of thing that yeah. a lot of his novels tend to be. <laughs> um, uh and, and I really, really enjoyed 1922. I, I've got to catch up with the movie. Um, like I said, I vaguely remembered that it existed, probably because uh, they brought it up on the King cast. It came out almost at the exact same time as Gerald's Game, which they just had Carla Gugino on the podcast, too, and talked about her, like, working with Mike Flanagan and, like her interest in Stephen King stuff. Um, so yeah, it's been a good week, a good couple of weeks, <laughs> a good 2020 start to 2024 for the King cast. Um, Cause those, those are two fucking phenomenal actors. Um, and uh, th- the Thomas Jane episode, I will forewarn you if you're going to listen to it. Dude gets heavy into political stuff. Some of it you'll agree with. Some of it you won't. <laughs> like, he's a little <laughs> on the nutty side. But he's yes. got a point. But also, yeah. it's just like, okay, man. <laughs> like, stop watching YouTube for maybe a day or two. Like, but, uh, you know, it, he's... Still a very, very interesting dude and very intelligent, certainly a great actor. Um, but the other book, Elevation, uh, has not been adapted uh, into anything yes. except an audiobook. Have you ever read it? Uh, no, um, it is on my list because I am a huge Stephen King novella fan, more so than I am. Like as I've gotten older and as he's gotten older, like your your assessment of him where he works better within the sub 200 like i say the sub 200 yeah um yeah. he works better like even in his best work i feel like some of his best work is in the sub 200 range like just consistency um and no i have not but it is on my list like i do have a list of the things the shorts that i've not been able to get to or the novellas some of which are probably going to be impossible to find because of the rarity of them um yeah. and you know and i'd like to purchase it legally um he is one of the guys that i feel like i know that he has a lot of money but everything that he does uh for artists i feel like he should he like you absolutely should pay the king the king's ransom um whatever it may be but anyhow um i have not that is all to say i have not but i i am familiar with it um how did it land for you i it I was fucking crying at the end. Oh, man. wow. And, and not, not to, I, that, I guess that's kind of spoilery, but like it, it is, it, but it's not tragic. It's just, it's, it's up there with like 
the weirdest heart like it's heartwarming is not always what you associate Stephen King yes. with. But um and, and I don't think it's spoilers to give away the the premise of the story, but it's about this guy who discovers that he's it this it sounds like the plot of thinner. He's losing weight. But it, it's not that he's losing the weight and becoming thinner. He looks the same. It's that his like his actual mass is is decreasing daily and at an at like an exponential rate like it, every oh, so wow. often it like doubles up on itself so he looks like a dude that weighs 250 pounds but when he steps on the scale he weighs 170 pounds oh you know okay like yeah. uh, and then 165 and then and it's like it is this weird kind of it's not an untold story like what happens when you know the end is coming like you don't know what the end is gonna be like it it could be fantastic it could be like just awful it could like you you don't know what his end is gonna be and neither does he but you do know that every day he steps on the scale, there's less of him. And what that means in terms of, like, things like buoyancy. Like, when you don't have any mass and you, like, you can move better. Like, it doesn't matter if you look like you weigh 250 pounds. You literally don't have about 250 pounds of actual mass like you can when you're 50 you can move like you're 17 like your joints don't hurt as bad like just stuff like that and it's a very very interesting character exploration which is i mean honestly what king does better than probably most modern writers is just getting into those characters and like, I I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I like highest highest. It's it's up there with the the Gwendy books that I sent you. Like yeah, highest no, 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 recommendations. Absolutely. Like of oh, wow. like holy okay. fuck. By the end, I was just like, this is so like that. The fact that they don't waste time, and Gwendy's like this too. They don't waste time trying to explain things it's like this is what it is and there's no reason like there's just no no reason to get into the why of it you know is he cursed is it like he just woke up one day and was like you know i like i feel better and i stepped on the scale and 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 it's not just that like there's this weird thing of like even like he loads his pockets up with like coins, like 25 pounds in change or whatever steps on the scale. It's the same. Like he could be holding a 40 pound weight and he steps on the scale. And like, so it's like his, like whatever he's touching, like his actual Mm -hmm. aura creates less mass. It's, it's 
very, very strange, but the, it's the fact that they don't get into it. It's just about the characters and um, kind of this like uh, friendship that he he forms with a few people um, when he begins to understand that like at some point his life like is not like he's not going to be able to do anything because he's not there's going to be he's not going to be anything there's going to be nothing of him and like yeah he'll look like it is but there won't be and like if you weigh like how does gravity work on you if you don't have any mass you know like it, it doesn't you know <laughs> like if, mm-hmm. if you Gravity affects a feather a lot different than it affects your remote control, you know? Um, so, it, it, yeah, it, it's really, really good. Very sweet. Very heartwarming. And I was a mess by the end of it. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, <laughs> like I need to text everyone I know to tell them how much I appreciate them being part of my <laughs> life. <laughs> I... I... You know, um, we haven't gotten into personal things, but like, um, like there's some stuff, there's some family stuff that's going on right now. And, um, I feel that I feel that hard because there was something like, so I watched like, just on an unrelated note, I watched the society or society of the snow, um, which I was not expecting to smack me in the face in the way that it did on a Friday afternoon, wanting to watch like, you know, basically the real like it's basic it's based off of the andes rugby players stuck in the mountains and they had to eat like they had to they were forced into cannibalism to survive um which is based off of the frank marshall movie alive um i didn't know i needed a redoing of it but uh the director J. A. biona um is a spanish filmmaker and he decided to make it like he decided to make this movie and um i can tell you like he made them like he, he is a director that that basically specializes i feel like his specialization is harrowing experiences and bringing the emotionality and the true horror of it to to the big screen in big epic like cinematic fashion and he did this with the impossible a film that i watched once had such a such a strong reaction to that I never wanted to watch it again um, because and that was the moment that I realized oh this little Tom Holland kid is truly special like he's a true special like actor because like when in a movie in a movie that has Naomi Watts among other people acting the shit out of like you know out of a situation when you have this little kid, this little 11 year old kid, and he breaks your fucking heart the entire fucking movie once the, the, because it's the, about the tsunamis that yeah. happened. Um, you just, you just like, you melt. And I will say it's a spiritual cousin to that because Bayona takes the epic Hollywood Frank Marshall emblem adventurous thing and white, uh, in white, uh, like, you know, white casting of it and completely rips it down and makes it a true harrowing emotionally like draining um survival epic and more on the horror end but 
does it in a way that doesn't feel R-rated, but it feels impactfully R-rated. Um, like, the crash is not done in the Hollywood way. Like, it's, fuck, when it happens, you go, oh, shit. Like, you know what's happening? It's a two-and-a-half-hour movie, but it's done in such a way that it feels like... It's truly special, and I like I I've been telling I like you know whenever I finish a movie and I see it and it's that kind of special I start telling people about it, and the thing that I I am so upset about is that Netflix took away the theatricality of it because this movie is designed like The Impossible to be seen on the big screen. Like I watched The Impossible like three days after Christmas because it was released around that time. I could not shake that movie for days because I saw it on the on a big fucking screen, like a big screen filled with an audience that was literally crying the entire time because it's so draining. Um, and that feels like what the uh, society of the snow is. And he does a trick. And this trick, if you're not paying, like when you pay, like he does this trick with narration that fuck it, it got me. It got me because I was so in the film that I didn't realize, like, he draws you in so well that you forget about tricks of the trade and how people can do things. And he did a nasty little trick that sweeps the rug from underneath you and you go, mm, you motherfucker. But at the same time, it works because it just it, it grabs you by the throat. And that's what this movie does consistently is like kind of grabs you by the throat and it shakes you and it makes you happy that you're alive and that you're not going through this because there's a mid there's a mid section set piece and it is a set piece that happens that is so claustrophobic and so anxiety inducing in a way that I've not seen in a long time that like I had to force myself not to stop the movie because part of the experience the theatrical experience for me is you don't get a pause button Right. You have to sit there yeah. and we'll go through this. And that's the thing that I've started to learn in the last five years as we like in you know, streaming to like theatrical. And one of the, the bigger things is, is that you really don't want to like put the pause button on because then you're ruining the 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 the, the filmmakers intended experience. They don't want you to pause. They want you to go on. They want you to not be able to leave. Right. And that's what he created. Um, I mean, it's I mean, it's my first movie of 2024 for 20.4. And I'll say it. It's like the best 2020. Like it's it's going to be on. It's probably going to be in my top 10 at the very minimum uh, this year because it is so effectively well made. And to take something like a lie and basically like he. OK, so like this is what I was talking about with Saltburn, where where it's like. Rich people can't make rich eat the rich movies, right? Well, white people shouldn't really be taking a South American tale, uh, 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 like a Latino-based <laughs> tale, and churning it completely white bread, including the most white. Okay, so like the thing that got me, that I like, I clutched my pearls uh, when I re when I went back. I was like, you know what? It's been about ten years, or it's been about twenty years since I've seen Alive. Maybe I should go and see it. And I was like, let's see. I start on IMDb, and I wanted to see if it was in streaming. <laughs> like, oh, and it's got nothing but white people in. <laughs> yeah, but the bigger part is, and the thing that I went, oh my, is that it was adapted by the most white, white, white writer that ever did white write in the modern era, Sean Patrick Sh uh, Shanley, who. 
yeah, he wrote Moonstruck. He really shouldn't have wrote Moonstruck because it was about an Italian family. But he he's like he's an Irish white guy from New York, and he whites and, and he whites. <laughs> he writes movies that are essentially about white people, and then in through this whole thing, they make Alive, which is a very very famous South American like true life event of like survival and harrowing and like perseverance and it's all a bunch of white people like ethan hawk and josh miller and like wow i was like you know what this is kind of kind of great because this is the example this is exactly what you want somebody like this is this is taking onus back for a story that nobody should have written other than or nobody should have produced other than the people that and i know it sounds weird because Uruguay, right? That's the yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's the Uruguay. Uh, it it was the Uruguayan um rugby team, and they and they got caught in the Chilean mountains. Um, but you know what? Like this movie proves it because rather than taking the salacious genre, uh, the genre based version of this, this is even though it has horror and it has harrowing moments and it has a sense of adventure and scale it's a drama it's like really a drama about these young men these very young men men that were in their 20s that literally had to survive and had to find a way through and the discussions that they have and the things that they had to do um and he doesn't shy away from the cannibalism it's not like you cut away like like in a live where they zoom out as they cut into the butt shank of a, of a of a dead person like you get to know these people before they start like there's a moment where they're trying to decide how to do this and like they're cutting up their brothers and sisters and lovers like it's it there's a meaning to it there's a fucking like cost and they talk about that and that's something that you don't get from the other movie the other movie like i said it's just like they have this weird conversation and ethan hawk is like we're gonna do that we need to vibe and he just starts like they they pan away like it's like an ilm based shot because they pan away up to this like the mountains and shit and like you don't get to see them like doing what they do and this fucking movie does not shy away from that and it but i mean it's all for a reason right like it's not making it it's not making it genre it's making it like an emotion-filled journey of a true life event. Um, so yeah, it's truly like if you're in the mood, I always tell people you have to be in a mood to see this one because it there's an emotional draining quality to it. Um, do it, go for it, please. Like yeah. you will not be disappointed in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so yeah. Um. So yeah, the only other thing we've both been watching, it sounds like, is What If, um, yes. which we talked a little bit about last week. You finished it. Uh, I finished it. Um, so quick spoiler warning. Um, <laughs> yes. What did you think about the this season as a whole? Um, so it might be a little controversial, but I like this season more than I liked last season. Um, and there's a specific reason why, um, for me, the fact that, that they decided to focus on Peggy and give us the thing that we kind of wanted, but we never got, and they still didn't give us what we wanted, 
Um, because we do like I I feel like this movie or this series prompted like my my wanting very badly of the the Peggy um the Peggy Steve romance. Like yeah. I'm sick I'm sick and fucking tired of them swooping around it and like they even say it like I think that uh I think that he says it I think that uh Cap says it in the 1602 is like you know we're always circling uh we're always circling around and we don't have we never have enough time. Um and I think it's interesting that they're they're doing this with Peggy and what if where mm-hmm. she isn't going doesn't seem like she's going to get her happy ending with Steve when we know for a fact that our Steve got his happy ending with Peggy. Yes. Which okay, so what are the odds that that they pay that... <laughs> they pay Evans a dump load truck of money to do another cat movie at the end of of Secret Wars? With his cap and her and and Peggy, Captain uh, Carter and Captain America. Yeah. And we have the epic like they make it they they get Evans to do it with the whole thing of, well, it's a grand romance. It's a grand action epic romance told over multiple years. Um, What do you say? And we're going to send you a bunch of we're we're going to send you a dump load truck of money because we need you to come back. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not against it because yeah. I those two, we only really get to see together in the first movie and not in any real like we get the, the kind of like, will they want a romantic moonlighting thing in the yes. first movie, but we don't get the like, like, it would be fucking awesome to see them like fighting side by side like that that is one of the cooler things about the 1602 episode is getting to see the heroic versions of both of these characters like be together and and yes i it's a lot i i don't think 1602 is my favorite episode of the season but i i am with you in that it is a definite fucking highlight um it it's interesting to see how they they extrapolate things how how they uh take those character tropes and make them into something else it's also interesting to see who they who they add and who they leave out (laughs) yes okay so like another question like a question for you um I'm figuring like okay, so I'm gonna guess, and then you tell me. Um, I feel like what if Captain Carter fought the uh, fought the Hydra Stomper was probably your favorite. It was really good. I I I don't know if I have. It'd be hard to pick a favorite. I, I'm okay. with you in that. I I think this season is better than season one, except mm-hmm. the end. Except yes. for the end. Um, I, I, you know what? What if Happy Hogan Save Christmas was really fucking good? Like, <laughs> it was. Like, I love a diehard pastiche. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, but it's also like, it's it's great because 
the villain that they use. Like, and they got Sam Rockwell to cut back as just yeah. Villain. And, um, and Hella finding the ten rings was a was yes. a lot more fun than I thought it would be, and like having, I was really really into that. So yes, well, it, and it and it recontextualizes everything. It makes you feel like like you, you just kind of go, yeah, like that's kind of like it's the thing that bothers me from um, uh, within uh, Thor Thor Ragnarok, which is is that. You know, we kind of skip over She's the fact really that really the bad guy. <laughs> the guy, yeah, like it really Odin is a piece of shit, right? Like, um, and then of course you you get me, you get me if you have a if you have a young child who has a pet and you take that pet away from them, like you're you like you're automatically dickhead number one with a fucking with a bullet, right? Uh, but yeah. you also automatically put me on on the kid's side and man like this is like that what if is one of the ones like that in the 1602 are the ones that i'm like i want a live action version of this i want the 200 million dollar version of this because kate kate blanchett with tony tony leung together yeah it would have been so fucking awesome (laughs) like (laughs) it's it's so much fun watching them explore things that like you hadn't ever really thought about. No, um, absolutely not. Yeah, I was I was pretty upset they ended with a retread of fucking season one. Like, yes, I I I was not happy about that. Like, I get you want the consistency, but like, I swear, if fucking season three ends with like, what if Strange Supreme wasn't dead? Like, or or what if Strange Supreme, because, spoilers, but he sacrifices himself to actually recreate the world where he Mm -hmm. lost Christine, only now he doesn't exist in the world, you know, if it Mm -hmm. ends with, like, what if Strange Supreme came back, or I'm gonna be fucking pissed, like, I, I, like, we've had this story, like, and it was, it was a fun build-up into multiverse of madness but like i thought we'd seen the end of that (laughs) and to bring it back i was just like oh god okay fine um you know i'm glad we got more of peggy uh i love the humor which is something that's been a little lacking lately in marvel like they've kind of lost their ability to do that humor it very much exists in this show uh I'm drawing a blank on his name, but the guy that they get to, he's been doing Iron Man, Tony Stark forever because uh, he is. um, Yeah. Mick Wingard. Yeah. I know him because like, I just like, you know, we're both animation fans and we're both like, like I, like that's one of the things I love about you, man, is that you're, you're just as much of a stand for animation and everything, like all the credits, like, you know, uh, we haven't even talked about the fact that there's a, there's another animated uh, Scooby Doo movie with Frank Welker in it. Like, yeah. but oddly enough, uh, what's his um, what's his name? J- uh, Lillard. Da- uh, not Damian Lillard. That's a basketball Matthew player. Lillard. But Lillard. Matthew Lillard. Um, which I'm kind of pissed about because it's like, okay, so where's the Scoob movie? Where's Scoob two? 
Why yeah. are you giving this other goddamn movie that doesn't even have The Rock uh, uh, playing his character that he originated in Super Friends? Oh, yeah, that's right, because it's not around anymore. Anywho, um, but yeah, no, 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 like, yeah, it's it's uh, Mick Ringer, who, you're right, he does a spot on, like, him and... I mean, that's and... fucking spot, but, like, he's been doing it for, like, since... Like Downey started playing Iron Man, like they needed yeah. somebody who could do Downey, and mm-hmm. so like that's what he's been doing for for fucking ever at this point. I like I well over a decade, I think, of playing Iron yeah. Man across various series. Um, and it, I mean, he does a bang up job of just capturing like that tone of it all like it's it's hard to mm-hmm. like nail exactly what it is but he yeah he really really does a good job of it so it's i love the 1602 episode tony like yeah just this i like it is very much like uh when iron monger in the first uh <laughs> jeff bridges in the first movie is like tony stark built this in a cave <laughs> <laughs> yes it, it was very much so that um i also like like okay so like at a certain point like i know okay so like when is it at a certain point because like everybody seems to be having fun here and the only two people that aren't here are um are fucking um downy and evans like when is it gonna yeah, be it at a, a point weird, and, right yeah <laughs> Well, and also, but I also feel like Lake Bell, if she wants, like, it, like Lake Bell She's is so fucking as, good as the Black Widow, man. And, and here's the funnier part about Lake Bell is that she's about the same age as uh, Scarlett Johansson. If you really wanted to, you could literally recast Scarlett Johansson with Lake Bell. And if Lake Bell, like, does, like, you know, the whole working out thing, she, I mean, how much do you want to bet that she was probably on the fucking list for Natasha? Along with all the other Hollywood starlets that were there. Because at the time, she had just become, like, a big thing. Like, they thought that she was going to get an Oscar nom for her comedy, the one that she directed. I can't think of the name of it. The one where she becomes the voiceover actor. Yeah, or yeah, the, that's the trailer. a good movie. Uh, in a, a world. Very, <laughs> in a world. That's what it's called. In a world. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. I actually own it on... Uh, I gotta get my... Now I gotta get my DVD or my Blu-ray out of that. I love that fucking movie. It's a really great movie. But... um. You know, but it's like all these people are coming to play and it's so like it almost feels like it's fun for them. Like Kate Blanchett as Hella. She's, like, you can hear it in her voice. Yeah. She's having so much fun. And you know what? As much as I didn't like the, the finale, the fucking like her adding like that last little note, like tossing the helmet and then everybody being like, Oh, fuck yeah, like, let's just throw, like, we're about to die. These mm-hmm. people can, like, here's our helmet, here's the rings, here's the here's the staff, here's the, like, all of that shit. Like, it was so worth it. Um, and. Almost and, for that. <laughs> yes. And also, I'll, I'll add in a kicker there, that one is almost worth it also for Stanley Tucci coming back as first time. Oh, yeah. I mean. But. Like anytime you can get it, you can, like that's a thing that I feel like if you're gonna redo, like, and again, it's like they didn't spend enough time with him 
in the original movie. And mm-hmm. he's so fucking good. He is so good, right? Like he is so like like he's like, I mean, like, you know, we we've I think we've actually talked about this on previous podcasts, which is, is like Erskine is the guy who unlocks Steve's goodness in a way that that one scene between the two, it like Evans or um Rogers knows how to be good and what good is and why you stand up against the bullies. But Erskine in that conversation crystallizes and gives Rogers focus in a way that if he didn't have that between the two, Rogers is not the right, is is not the same cap as he is in the rest of the series. Right. Yeah. Um, And that relationship feels like it's just not enough. Right. Like you want them to have like the father son relationship that you feel that was robbed of them. And it's like one of those things that I always think about is like, Man, they really should, like, even before this, I always felt like Peggy and Steve should have a movie together where she was playing, you know, Captain Britain, Captain Peggy Carter, whatever, and Rogers was Cap, and they both had this, like, they had these powers and they could just do good throughout the year, like, throughout the years because, you know, um, the super serum you know, makes you kind of like, uh, kind of, kind of like Wolverine, right? But having yeah. Erskine there, um, having Erskine there is kind of great, like to have like the, the, the kind of like father figure, but it never happened. Right. Um, but this kind of gives you a reprieve, but also makes you want that even more. You want Stanley Tucci to come back because he's so good and he's, it's so heartbreaking like that he dies, but yeah, yeah um, it is really like, I liked it a lot. I liked it specifically because, I mean, let's be honest. Haley Atwell is fucking, like, the she's, goat. Like, she's great, man. Like, it, it, like she's, it's so, like, it, it's so funny because I remember post, um, and, and, of course, this was probably already mostly in the can by then, but, like, post Multiverse of Madness, like she had done an interview where she was like, yeah, I was not real thrilled with the ending that this Captain Carter got, but that's not mm-hmm. the same Captain Carter that yeah. I played in What If. And, uh, you know, some people were just like, oh, wait, what? And it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's not her. This is her. <laughs> He's still here, bitches. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh. It's so good. And, and you know what? <laughs> like, it's, it feels weird to say I hadn't really thought about it, but since you brought it up, now I'm thinking it is kind of fucking weird that, like, I'm I'm trying to think of who has not come back besides uh, Scarlett Johansson, Robert Downey Jr., and Chris Evans, and I'm drawing a blank because like a lot of other people are fucking here, like um, including so, Elizabeth Olsen for like. Yeah. Four lines of dialogue. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Four lines of dialogue. Like, literally, that's it. Um, w- um, the only other persons are the people from the Ten Rings, but, you know, Song-Chi has oh, not Oh, yeah, been... yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. But... Uh, that w- they were different voices. Oh, and um, uh, the Guardians folks. Uh, yes. Uh, short uh, of... Uh, Gamora. Uh, yeah. Taika, um, sort of. Uh, well, actually, um, well, they they 
It's a different group, but who gives a shit? Yes. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Fuck him. Fuck that dude now. Like I told you. Give me you. Fred Tadashori <laughs> any day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then um, him. Uh, I know Batista did. Uh, Batista did uh, Drax. Uh, okay, so uh, but uh, uh, but what's his Super but, Mario Chris uh, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt did no Chris Pratt no um uh what's her name is Nebula Gamora. Right? it's a different yeah oh no I no, mean no, not Karen Nebula you're right Karen Gillan yeah. yeah different Gamora different Star Lord is mm-hmm. that it different Rocket of course but I, yes. Rocket I think they use the voice that they've been using for rocket much like iron man like yes on the animated series yeah uh mm-hmm. for th- that guy's been doing it for years and years at this point so um which i mean that's also fine it's a cgi mm-hmm. raccoon like it's okay that it's not bradley cooper um yeah. so I, yeah <clears throat> yeah I, I hadn't thought about the guardians folks but yeah most of them didn't come back either so but I mean, like you, you have like, like you have the funness, like the people that, like I feel like, the people that are cast are the people that are willing to play, right? Like yeah. these are people that, like, yeah. like, like Michael Douglas and Larry Fishburne showing up for the the it's fucking the right, Avengers, man. yeah. But they're like, willing to play and giving going to Karen Gillan and just being like. Do you want to do a story about Nebula where she's basically Blade Runner? Like, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or John Favreau, where you go, so you get to be both John McClane and the Hulk or the Freak. I mean, let's be honest; like, it's it's a play on the Freak. Um, Facing off against facing off against Sam Rockwell, uh, Justin Hammer as Hans Gruber, but. Cat Dennings as Darcy is your fucking Al Collins. <laughs> it's the like, most like, I've liked Darcy in the history of that character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that you do not like you, uh, but I mean, Cat Dennings is so cute she and adorable. Was, like, she, <laughs> she was a lot of fun in that episode. Um, and, 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 it's probably on. my favorite you episode because it's it's <laughs> so inconsequential to a lot of things. Like it, it really just introduces like this version of uh like the freak or whatever you want to call that that version of the hulk whatever you want it to be it introduces that so that it's not weird as shit when he shows up in 1602 but it's it's still like it's just so much fucking fun that whole episode is so fun um and then they get werner they get werner yeah they choose instead, like in. <clears throat> you could have chose anybody, right? But you choose Werner, and yeah. um, the like. I don't know if anybody knows who Ross Marquand is, but like, talk about like just a killer, a killer he's, job. He's so great. Like he's yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal actor, but he is a, an amazing voice talent. Like yes, that yes. dude. Like, look up Ross Martin. Speaking of The Walking Dead, he was on The Walking Dead for a, a good yes, bit. And he was yeah. pretty good. One of the few lighter characters that I really enjoyed. But, like, there are YouTube videos of him, like, people throwing, like, actors. Like, do this. Do do this guy. Do this guy. Do this guy. Doing yep. impressions. He is fucking unbelievable. Like, it is, is so good. He is, like, Kevin Pollock good. Yes, he really is. Like, 
so um his like he is the reason why guys that you thought that that um Hugo Weaving came back as <laughs> yeah. <Mark> Cole. <laughs> You're like that's Hugo. No, no, that's Ross no. Marquand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my also my favorite my other favorite part is is that um when I used to watch Mad Men before it, became, it fell off the rails he played Paul Newman and he did a Paul Newman voice and like in that show and you go holy shit how did they do that like how yeah. did they get a dude to look and sound like him so he's he's um, an incredible he, talent like yes. one of those like people that I I hope at the end of his career you can't point to and go. Boy, was he underutilized, underrated. Like, I hope he gets his flowers in the the modern speak. But, like, right now, wholly just underrated. Like, he he is not on, like, a big enough portion of the radar. Like, people should be talking about this guy and how fucking good he is. Like, I, I hope some directors just, like, wait, what? You can do what? And just throws him into something, man. Um, yes. Yeah, I, also, I, I I loved okay. this season. Just to, yes. like, I absolutely loved it. I had so much fun. And they introduced an original character. Yes, which, like, we were just talking about, like, you know, I was in a very weird and roundabout way, even though I'd never said the words. Um, I was talking about inclusiveness and, um, and... Like, this is another one that actually has something, which is, like, what if Kahori shaped the world? And, man, that was, like, it was kind of a great, like, like, the story and how it unraveled and the Tesseract, like, going from, like, like talking about that the the tesseract and using that if you noticed it was it was very interesting to me that that was the through line using the tesseract as the like the the gemstone the the, as the through line for all of a lot of this and using that and creating this um creating this like this this character this young mohawk uh indigenous person as a hero and giving them a space and it's just it was wild because it was so uniquely tied to i'm doing a little okay so like a side note i'm doing a little bit of research on indigenous culture for something that i'm doing and um and i'm actually covering this ground because it's kind of like um the midwest is is something that i'm a focal point on my research on and what's interesting is that the visuals that they're giving for this um is very appropriate to the culture that that they're that they were using as a reference point and so like i was very impressed by not just the accuracy, but like the story itself. It's a fucking badass story, and it's a badass character, right? Yeah, I I, I thought it was phenomenal. Um, I was a little worried that it was gonna come off as too fucking like I it, I don't want to I guess trying too hard is the yeah. the right kind of mm-hmm. phrase there where, where it's just like uh, okay like. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but uh, but it it doesn't didn't to me at least it didn't come off that way at all uh, as no. uh, um, I guess tokenism or <clears throat> pandering or anything like that. It just it felt very uh, like natural, like just yes. a natural inclusion to the story. I, I was honestly shocked when it came back at the end. Um, you know how they bring mm-hmm. her back around. I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't think they laid enough groundwork for it to like make sense if you think about it too hard. Like why? Sh- I I yeah. get like she's a world shaping character and why like Strange Supreme would would want her, but like it's it's the reasonings behind sending Peggy in there that that are a little like. Uh, that feels shoehorned Because um, <laughs> it's just like well, uh, Peggy shows up and immediately Just starts fighting her Like there's no yes. <laughs> there's it's Strange is like it can't be me Like why <laughs> Peggy just did exactly <laughs> what you would do um, But uh, Yeah it, it's uh, Like just wholly It's weird that This show Is the most Marvel thing that they've done In years And outside of like The last Spider-Man movie I think uh, I've yeah. had fun with things But this is feels like The most Like it uh, feels weird to say Old school MCU But I mean at this point we're A pretty good ways into it So yeah th- it, it harkens back to all the things we loved About the MCU Um and it's it's fun So yeah I, I loved it um, I'm excited for season 3 Really really fucking hope We don't have to wait 2 years <laughs> I yeah Like that's the big thing is is that like, but They're pushing we, everything So probably will yeah. have to be 2 years Hopefully not 3 Cause, Like they, they've pushed Ironheart again it, w- it won't premiere until 2025 at least now Yeah because well, and, and that show's wrapped. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also think that. So my thing is with Ironheart is is that it's like. So, I feel like maybe the reason why they're doing that is because of the effects work that needs to be done, and better to like let this parse out over time rather than trying to rush it. Like it's the Victoria Alonso situation of it all. Right. Yeah. Like everything, like it's not just getting pushed. Like there's twofold reasons, right? It's because oversaturation in the market, Kevin has probably put the e-brakes on everything. And said, let's slow the fuck down because we just, we just made a decision that's going to reshape everything. Um, with the loss of, uh, Kang as majors or majors as Kang. But that doesn't mean you like, it, it means like, okay, so we have all this work. Do we stop it or do we pivot and recast or do we just take Loki on and give us, uh, give everybody what they want? But then that changes everything, right? Yeah. Because you know that they have like, they have the whiteboard plan for the next 10 to 15 years because everything that we've heard was like when Feige used to joke about, oh, I have 20 years mapped out. Well, he's 15 years in. And everything seems to be about what we thought, like, there's a plan to it, right? Like, it does feel like even though there's hiccups and there were weird shifts and he had to adjust because nobody liked the Eternals, even though we're getting a sequel to the Eternals Eternals in, like, four years. 
the Eternals itself was not supposed to be the move. Uh, the Inhumans yeah. was the move, but I yeah. Perlmutter fucking took that away from him. <laughs> Which is okay. why Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., even though apparently they're uh, like the Netflix series are mm-hmm. going to be canon, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will never be canon because of Ike Perlmutter. Yep. And that's why you will never, ever, like, the the sacrifice for that is that every single person that you like in that show, a.k.a. Agent Coulson, a.k.a. Um, Quake, will never be in the MCU. Yeah. They just won't. Like, that's the unfortunate part is that we will never like any <clears throat> yeah agent Coulson in the MCU is dead <laughs> yeah he's dead like he is the one character that is truly dead well like I was joking with somebody just recently I was like you know how the you know how the Fast and Furious like franchise says nobody's dead like nobody is dead even if you kill them I think that Vin Diesel with his his tomfoolery is officially killed like. The one person that you never thought was going to die in that series is dead. Is like, dead. he's just literally fucking <laughs> yeah. dead. And guess what? <clears throat> the one person you never thought was going to come back because the uh, hierarchy yeah. shifted. <laughs> it was just the wrong He's, he's going to be the savior now. Oh, fuck, you better believe it. You better believe they're fucking throwing all the money at him. And I guarantee you, the first scene of that fucking Fast X2 movie is going to be fucking, <laughs> fucking The Rock. I'm gonna get that some bitch yep. um, over the, the Dominic Toretto grave. <laughs> like, yeah. he's just gonna say, uh, that guy. Like, you know, and basically, we're getting Black Adam versus Aquaman <laughs> in, in Fast X2, <laughs> That's right? That's pretty funny. Uh, uh, I might actually go see Fast X2, having not seen a Fast and Furious movie in a decade. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so. Like, by the time Ironheart comes out, uh, Dominique Thorne, who plays Riri Williams, who was, like, a 16-year-old, probably, like, 25, yeah, uh, which is going to be a very be weird... Fucking, yeah, that that's the, the issue, is that, like, now everything's so delayed, like, you, you can't have these 25-year-olds playing, you know, 17-year-olds. I mean, you can, but, like, then it looks like you're watching fucking old episodes of Beverly Hills 90210. Like, it just feels disingenuous. Like, (laughs) that's the shit you saw in the 90s. Like, you don't, like, we we stepped away from that. We have, you know, 17, 18-year-olds playing 14-year-olds. But, you know, it's it's so weird. Like, yeah, uh, you know, again, don't don't know what they're gonna do, but like it would be really, really interesting to see like I don't know, because we know Ironheart's coming, we know Armor Wars is now gonna be its own separate movie, but like I, I don't know. I don't I don't know how they're gonna do it. Um twenty 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 five, I know we're just not even a week into twenty twenty four, but twenty twenty five might be really interesting for Marvel. <laughs> oh yeah, like it's gonna it like I mean everything is shifted, right? Like so like we we've shifted everything by a year. So like we're not getting anything that we were getting this year other than like it, okay, so like Deadpool. here's okay, I have a Deadpool yeah, 3, that's well, it. Well, okay, so I have an a echo. Echo does look fun. Yeah, it does. It, it really does. Like, I'm actually genuinely shocked they're dropping them all. But I mean, with the rated R or the TVMA, I can yeah. understand. Um, 
Okay, so like I have a question for you. Um, uh, shit, I just forgot the question. Um, oh, yes, I do. Uh, now I do. Do we think that Deadpool 3 is the gateway into like them? Do we think it's the gateway of them? Is it putting a bow on on Reynolds' Deadpool? and opening the door for somebody new but him producing or do we think that he's going to dive in the way that we all that every like the worst best kept secret is that that we know that hugh jackman is returning right like like he's coming back he's coming into the mcu does he take deadpool along with him and do these two become x-rated spider-man and wolvie that become the pivot shift in the MCU, and that's the reason why they're rewriting everything. Because the shift is, is that I, I, that we're going to get I, these two. Can Hugh Jackman keep doing this? I mean, he's he's only what he's like. He just turned what fifty three or something like that. I mean, I mean, yeah, but with look at Marvel now, and with the yeah. constant delays of things. Yeah, like I mean. He can't do this at 60-something. He didn't want to be doing this now, but... I mean, not to speculate or add, but, you know, I I also feel like this is a thing fueled by, um, oh, shit, I'm about to go through a divorce. (laughs) Yes. And Um, I need some money. Um, Not to be cynical, but, like, it does fucking happen a lot. (laughs) Yes. But I mean, there are a lot they, of things in this world that exist because George Lucas's wife divorced him. Divorced his ass, <laughs> yo. <laughs> like half, half, like half is a lot. Half is a lot. Uh, even more. Um, was, oh shit! I have hurts. to start selling things. Who wants this studio that I've got in my basement? <laughs> oh, you, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Pixar, whatever you want to call it, it's yours now. <laughs> yep. Um, but I also think that like, never say never, like, I hate when actors do that because the almighty dollar, like really, really, really like, like, and okay. So Jackman is 55. If Um, if we were talking about animated Wolverine stuff. Yeah. Hugh Jackman for a fucking ever. But like, I just, if at some point you're going to have to recast this, Here's the thing about Deadpool. Motherfucker wears a mask. At some point, just like the Mandalorian, he used to be like, he don't take his mask off, man. Hey, Ryan, get in the booth. <laughs> like, there is absolutely no reason it has to be Ryan Reynolds under the mask. None whatsoever. Wolverine, a lot different. And I just, at some point, you got to recast just go ahead and do it like the sooner you rip that band-aid off the better it's going to be for all the fandom i get why we're doing it for deadpool 3 i get this whole like possible multiversal thing that might happen in deadpool 3 and the tongue-in-cheek stuff like i'm i'm down for all of that but mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I don't think you can make any of this stuff canon to MCU proper. Um, it's part of the problem with the the post credit scene in uh, the Marvels is that now you've yeah. kind of sort of... I mean, 
Spider-Man more or less makes everything canon anyway because you established like yes. all those other universes exist. But like, I don't know. It needs to be. It I which I guess Secret Wars is what what that will be. There will be a firmer line, and that's when you'll recast everybody. Like once all these universes have quote collapsed in on each other, that's when you will recast. Like once you solve that problem and you go, we've resolved all of these storylines from all of these other studios. We're done. Like they did it with Spider-Man. <laughs> now he wants to do it with basically all the Fox properties and well, then, then they'll be done. It, <laughs> and isn't that like payback and come up for the way that Fox I mean, treated yeah, him? Absolutely. Uh, and, and the Donners after, after the whole thing with like, I don't blame him because when your sister is dying, you fucking don't take a job, especially if you have the money not to. Um, Matthew Vaughn not taking on a date uh, like, you know, X-Men three is probably the, the inflection point at where everything breaks. Like it, it yeah. does because it's a terrible movie. It has a great cast, right? Like, I mean, Kelsey Grammer. I mean, we're, we're both like, politics I know that, that that's yeah, yeah. Politics aside. Um, like, I love him. I love him. He's the perfect beast. I understand why, you know, uh, spoilers for the Marvels. That's what Logan's talking about. I understand I why you bring him back. Was, yeah. Yes. I understand because you can't cast anything better. Like, and you don't want, you want somebody with gravitas because you can't go with young, uh, young beast because we've already done that. Right. We've already done that with days of future past. We, we, Nick Holt is great. But at the end of the day, I feel like you need somebody like Kelsey Grammer. You need to bring, yeah, like, Nicholas if you're doing the shit. Not have that gravitas like you're talking about. You need that, no. like, yeah, which is why it's gonna be so hard to recast Professor X. Like, when you're doing the yes. young, brash Professor X, like, it's fine for when when we had the younger versions. Yeah, just like Magneto, but like it's gonna be real hard to to top those older versions of those characters. Like you're not gonna get any better than those people. So like that's what makes it really difficult to just feel like, well, where do you go? Like I don't fucking know. Where do you go? Like who's gonna play a better Professor X than him? Like. Uh I, I nobody mean, like do you wait do you wait do you wait another Patrick 10 Stewart's years? gonna be dead yeah. in 10 years <laughs> no nah, I shouldn't uh, say course. that but you know but I mean he's, he is he's pretty fucking old or he's like he's like 82 or something like yeah. that he's old um he, but... he can't make 20 more years of Professor X movies like of X-Men <laughs> stuff like even if that only amounts to like five or six movies like like he's I mean, you just, you can't have it. Like, Ian McKellen, like, is not going to play Magneto again. Like, he's just no. not. But, like, you're not going to get anybody better than that. And but, that makes it but really, you, really difficult. <laughs> uh, but, okay, so, like, here's the thing. Okay, so, like, with Magneto, I'm going to postulate that Fassbender was just as fucking good, just very different. Yeah, and I, I agree. Why don't you, why don't you, like, Okay, so McKellen was in his mid-50s when he started, and that's a very shocking thing for people to hear. Yes, he was in his mid-50s when he started X-Men. Um, Fassie is, 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 is a little bit only a year older than me. He's 45, so we're 10 years off from where they have. 
There's nothing that says that you can't. Uh, and the thing with McAvoy is, is that McAvoy is the same age as us too. He's in his mid forties. And again, Stewart was like just shy of 60 when he, yeah. when he started it though. They're I'm not, not opposed to them good. carrying that on. I'm not. Yeah. But it is weird to say like, it is weird because like you got the perfect casting, right? Like you, like those two guys were the perfect cast for Magneto and, and X and professor X. How do you recast that? It's like, it's the same thing with Jackman. It's like, you, like little people do forget. Yeah. It, it's really hard to do. Like I, you can recast almost anybody else. Like, you know, it's just really hard to top those people. Fassbender and McAvoy are close. They've not even attempted with Hugh Jackman. No. And but but I will say go ahead. The sooner go you ahead. do it, the better. I'm just Yes. <laughs> and I'm gonna say the fan casting of like <clears throat> when you watch when you watch okay, so like I know this is a weird comp, but go with me on this. And I'm I'm of the theory that Dan, Dan Radcliffe could do it. Oh why hundred percent. Because I've seen him in, like, I've seen the moments of rage in a weird, the Ali Yankovic story, which is one, it's quickly becoming one of my new favorite movies, um, just because it's a great, like, if you've not seen it, guys, watch that fucking movie. It's free on Roku. Um, it, I cannot tell you how good that movie is, especially if you're a Weird Al fan, but I've seen him rage, and I will tell you, it's different than Jackman, but, you know, with those pictures that you've seen of him fucking butt-ass naked and fucking buffed as shit, like, and Radcliffe is height-appropriate, which yeah. is what I want from the next fucking, I want the next Wolvie to be height-appropriate. Yeah. A six-foot-one um, is not, like, he's he was always supposed to be a little bowling ball of a dude, so... Yeah, like everybody, like, do you remember when, like, back in the uh, back when Wizard was doing fan casting, and the the fact that they chose Bob Hoskins, and it was the perfect fucking casting because yeah. he was, get, he was uh, get Bob short. Hoskins, beef him yes. up. <laughs> he was short. He was he was burly, and he had a bunch of fucking hair, exactly like Wolverine, right? Um, it was like perfect. Like that's what I wanted for my Wolverine, Bob Hoskins, like. R.I.P. Bob, I lo we loved you and everything that you did. Um, not Hugh Jackman, but I mean, Hugh yeah. Jackman makes complete sense when you think about Brian Singer being the director, right? Yeah. Like, and, and it wound up being perfect. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes. he's he's so good, and like, it's it's gonna be hard to top that. But like, the sooner you get there, the better it's gonna be because, like. The sooner you can get past those comparisons, the sooner you can move on. Like it, it's yeah. it's just and like I said, 2025. I know that's a full year away, but it's gonna be real interesting for Marvel. Um and DC and DC. But uh anyway, um all that to say we both loved season two of What If. Yes. <laughs> Next week yeah. we'll talk about more Marvel because I imagine, much like me, you're probably going to spend your week watching uh, Echo because it yes. premieres in what three days? I yeah, think it's the, ninth. the ninth. Yeah. The ninth. Yeah. 
which is a weird date. Um, I'm going to ask you about like two bits before we leave. I know that we have we have a clock. I know we're a little over, but I just want to ask. What, I'll ask about one, uh, which is which is a shocker to me. Um, which is, and I don't know if you know this, but Gerard Butler has been has been confirmed. Yes, as, I do know. All yeah, for it. Okay. Right. Who, uh, like once again. Who the fuck is going to play Stoic except Jerry Butler? Nobody. Exactly. No one. No one. But you've now set the... Okay, so like... But now you've set the table for like... So Mason Thames as Hiccup has to deliver. Like he has to deliver. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, can't, he can't be a flash in the pants because like Jerry Butler's going to break your heart. So this kid better be fucking Henry Thomas level good. Because, um, oh shit, my, my sister asked me about movies that, uh, like, movies that if you don't cry in them, you're not human. And one of the ones I said was How to Train Your Dragon, the last 10 minutes. I, I, I can't watch, it's so weaponized, it's so beautiful. Like, if you don't make me cry at the end of this movie, but, like, and part of the reason why I cry is because of that relationship between Hiccup and Stoic. And yeah. what he does for him. I mean, even now I'm getting a little choked up about it. It's and fucking so, rough, man. Like yeah. it is, it is fucking, oh yeah. But, but I, when they announced that, I was just like, oh, thank God. Like I, I yeah. realize you can't get the, the voice actors for the, the kids to play them. Cause yeah. <laughs> even at the time they were all in their <laughs> mid like to late twenties. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, him as stoic fucking perfect and you know what like i don't know what he's doing and i know he doesn't look like gobber but like uh uh what's his name craig ferguson like yes i, I don't know i know you don't want to fatten him up or what but like just fuck to make gobber he's fucking here. thin and like wiry and what but like he's so fun and funny and good at that so just l- let him do it i'm i'm all for it uh what's the other one the other one is Kihu Kwan getting his own action movie from uh, with with in conjunction with the guys from 87 North who are Bullet Train, John Wick, yeah. and the upcoming Fall Guy. Like, I'm excited fuck. to see what that's gonna be. Right, um, because he's an action choreographer. I mean, yeah. like, like he like if you liked the opening moments of X2, that's him. That was his doing. Like, it's not, fuck Josh, uh, Josh Singer. What's up with singers today? Brian Singer? Brian Singer didn't do anything. He was probably drunk or at an orgy or whatever fucking thing. It was probably Kiku Kwan and uh, the, the actual savior of that trilogy, which is uh, Newton Thomas Siegel, who's the, uh, who's the cinematographer from every report I've heard, is he was basically ghost directing those movies because Singer was off on bingers and shit so oh yeah that's that's the case but kiku kwan actually getting an action movie like that i don't know what it is but it makes me happy because it feels like that's what should happen right yeah i mean and with these guys i'm so happy for that dude and like i don't know it's this whole like Okay, well, don't fucking give up on your dreams, man. Yeah. Like, just just don't. Like, huh. you still got to make your way. You still got to do what you got to do. But, like, 
it would have been real fucking easy for him just to give up and mm-hmm. uh, what a couple of years he's had now i mean he's one of the, the the best movie i've seen in the better part of a decade uh one of the fucking best things to happen to the mcu yeah. in a number of years um and now getting his own uh action film hopefully franchise like i i'm just i'm so happy for him i i yeah. can't wait to see what it is and what it looks like and uh, you know it, as long as it's fun i'll be there like it yeah it, it don't gotta make sense so no. uh it, it don't have to be anything other than fun so um yeah I, i'm excited for that both of those things so um I, I was trepidatious about the how to train your dragon thing. Now I'm more in the like, okay. Well, <laughs> and, and, they're, <laughs> and they're getting Dean Dubois to direct yeah. it with yeah. who's the original director. The only yep. thing now I need is them to confirm uh, confirm that the um, the uh, what did they call him um, at the beginning uh, of uh, the lighting consultant or the cinematography consultant? Uh, um, Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins to direct. <laughs> and Roger movies. Deakins is fucking shooting this movie. Holy shit, dude! <laughs> right? Like that's what I want. That's what I fucking want. I. I oh my god! That- It'll be the best movie of the year. <laughs> It, it, it might not be great, but holy shit, is it going to look awesome? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, you just want him to do it. Like, you just want them, like, pay all the money that he wants. Oh, my God. Man. <laughs> <laughs> pay like him the that, king's fucking then I, then I am standing on a fucking, like, table just screaming, let's go! <laughs> exactly, because then there's nothing stopping him. Then, yeah. like... I mean, we already know um, um, Harry Graxon Wagner is going to probably do the score, which you should get him to do the score because it's literally he's not going to get an Oscar nomination because it's going to be the same fucking score that it was from the first movie. Right. So, like, just do that. So, like, anything else, like, that's the one key, the key piece, because I've been thinking about this. If it's not him, I hope they tap uh, the Mandalorian dude to score it. Oh, um. Uh, Ludwig Gorenson. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And if they can't, like, I don't know why they couldn't get Roger Deakins because Deakins has had nothing but affection. I mean, he's been on, he's the lighting consultant on all three. So, like, yeah. it's never been this whole thing of, like, he doesn't have an affection for it. He loves it. He's fascinated by it. And I can only imagine, like, you don't add, you don't not add him as a piece, right? Even if he is a consultant or a producer on it, Give him his flowers, let him do whatever he wants to do on it, but you need to have him there because quite literally, yeah. he is the look of the fucking film. Like yeah. he is the reason why it like it's so beautiful. Um so yeah, uh I'm very, 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 very um excited for this now that like we've got the confirmation, which it makes sense. He's age appropriate now. Like you're gonna it's gonna be great. Like I just feel like yeah. it's gonna be great. Um so yeah. Uh, that was the last thing that I had. Um, uh, those are the last two pieces I had uh, for the week. I mean, uh, you know, like you said, next week we'll probably be talking, oh, talking Echo and whatever yeah. else we're watching. Um, but yeah. So uh, so yeah, go check out everything else we're doing over at xwingfiles.com. Um, hopefully, getting back into the swing of things off of uh, the little winter break uh, everybody's taking. 
um, including me. I, mm-hmm. we, we took a little bit of time off too. Um, and uh, if you want to read my my uh, written work, you can check that out over at Adam's website. Yes, uh, themovieall.com, which we are starting a, a new year. Um, nothing just yet, but we are getting stuff ready to get posted. Marie's top 10 of 2023 is going to be happening fairly shortly. Uh, mine, I know that you're you're writing some stuff, and I've got a few guests uh, and a few surprises for uh, for the top 2023. So it's going to start getting busy, but like you said, I took some time off, uh, even though I didn't, I mean, I posted a lot at the end of the year, but, um, this first part, I've taken a little time off just to kind of reboot, reset, and we're getting back to business. We are getting back to business. Yep. And, uh, we will be back next week. Like I said, definitely talking about Echo. We'll see what else we can get into between now and then. Uh, so we'll see you guys then. Fuck you soon. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But they're really all sold out. See it all together if you're with me now. Nerds,